now nobody can deny what um, Black people have been trying to allude to for, for so long now. And I, I can remember when I was younger, my friend, her mother, um, she told me that if I didn't do anything wrong, then I wouldn't have anything to fear from police. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she was ill-intentioned. I don't think she's racist. I just think it came from a certain level of ignorance. Like she's never lived a day in the color of a black, like the skin color of a black person. Yeah. She's never had to deal with, like in her reality, in her world, if she didn't do anything wrong, she wouldn't have to fear police or, yeah. you know, being stopped for no reason. What if you, with purpose and mindfulness, decided to surround yourself with positivity? What if you walked away from negative energy? What if you were constantly the positive energy in every room you walked into until it became so contagious that you positively impacted everyone around you? How would that impact your life? You're listening to Compassionate Mindfulness with Xenia, the podcast that will inspire you to use your story to change the world. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. In today's conversation, I welcome back Brandon Dawson Jarvis, a Montreal-based social entrepreneur who completely turned his life around through yoga. Yoga has allowed him to better connect with himself and with others, and it's a big reason why he does not shy away from sharing stories about his past. He's now a yoga instructor and has founded Grove Campus, a company that provides eco-friendly yoga mats. He also offers pay-what-you-can yoga and meditation sessions and uses the contributions to organize and execute community events and initiatives. He focuses on using his business to give back to the community, beginning with making sure his yoga classes are accessible to all. Among other initiatives, his efforts have resulted in helping families in need with school supplies and holiday toys. Brandon is passionate about building stronger communities, and that is exactly why he is an amazing guest for the special edition of the podcast in which we celebrate Black History Month by getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. To get to know Brandon a little better, check out the description for the link to his website and the link to our first conversation in which he walks us through his amazing journey of resilience. So without further ado, here is Brandon Dawson Jarvis. Brandon, again, thank you so much for your time. And I have to start off by saying congratulations for recently being chosen for the 2022 class of Black Changemakers. You were a part of 28 current day changemakers from our Black communities who are helping to shape our future. And I am so proud and very happy for you, Brandon. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Happy to be uh, happy, honored, humbled to be chosen. Yeah, it's a it's a nice award. And, and yeah, excited to meet the other change makers and see what everybody's bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah, of course. 
We are in our season of intentional living and for the month of February, we celebrate Black History Month. And the way I chose to celebrate Black History Month is by engaging in somewhat uncomfortable conversations and get comfortable with the uncomfortable in order to inspire change. So it goes without saying that you are a change maker and it's one of the reasons I needed to have you again on my podcast. And I think that particularly for these types of conversations, we need people who have empathy and are able to articulate things in a way that will shed light on what is going on in a very matter of fact way, but with a lot of compassion based on our last conversation, I just knew I needed to have you on for this segment because mm-hmm. Black people all over the world have been going through so much for so long. And I believe that through these difficult conversations and our ability to truly listen, we will be able to begin to understand the person who's seeking to be heard, mm-hmm. what he or she is going through. So my first question to you is when it comes to racial injustice and particularly Um, towards Black people, how would you say we can start these uncomfortable conversations? I think the conversations are, I think they're already happening. I think what's fortunate out of the unfortunate circumstances is that now nobody can deny what Black people have been trying to allude to for for so long now. And I I can remember when I was younger, my friend, her mother, um, she told me that if I didn't do anything wrong, then I wouldn't have anything to fear from police. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she was ill-intentioned. I don't think she's racist. I just think it came from a certain level of ignorance. Like she's never lived a day in the color of a black, like the skin color of a black person. She's never had to deal with, like in her reality, in her world, if she didn't do anything wrong, she wouldn't have to fear police or, you know, being stopped for no reason. And, um, and sorry, that's what I mean too, by starting uncomfortable conversations. You know what I mean? Like, I know the conversation is already there a lot, but when somebody approaches you in that way, How do you start a conversation, you know, to kind of shed light to the fact that, well, well, yeah, I do still have to worry about certain things, you know? Yeah. So the, the, the tricky thing was that I was, I was fairly young at that point. So I wanted to believe her. I, I, I absolutely did. But like I said, out of the, like looking back at the last few years or even decade with the advancement in technology and the fact that everybody's kind of recording in real time what's been going on and now showing it to the world that woman I'm pretty sure wouldn't say the same thing that she once said right so nobody's able to hide the truth anymore it's finally coming out in that there has been inequality and you know systemic racism and you know, some, some people are treated differently. And now we do need to have these conversations and we do need to give space to everybody's experience, right? So again, she has never 
lived a day as a black person. She doesn't have a black son. She never had to speak to her children about, you know, what to do, how to handle police, how to handle uh, if you get pulled over or any of those situations. But honestly, I feel like it all starts in the home. And I know that a lot of Black parents are having these conversations with their children. I know it's such a delicate subject, but I feel, and this, again, it's just my opinion, I feel as though the conversations need to be had in a manner where the the young children, the Black children, they're the ones that have the power. They're the ones that need to be able to communicate to the police like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And if you continue to do it, there's going to be certain repercussions, consequences, because I know my rights and I'm not afraid. Like I'm, I'm, you know, taking up my space. I'm not doing anything wrong. And, you know, whoever it is, your supervisor or whatever legal procedures we have to go through to make sure that you're held accountable for your your mishaps well then I'm like I'm prepared uh, my parents are prepared they know what they're supposed to do uh, we we know our rights we spoke to a lawyer whatever the case is so I I, I would like parents to you know have like instill this level of confidence and take away this level of fear because I know like when they have those conversations it's like you have to do this, you have to do this, don't do this, especially do this, look here, look there, put your hands here, put your hands here. And again, if you're not doing anything wrong, without being, you know, rude or disrespectful, communicate in a way that like, you would communicate with anybody else who's supposed to be protecting you or upholding your rights and and your freedoms and stuff like that. So that's that I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, and you're talking about the conversation that should be had between Black people. Most of the times it's Black men, unfortunately. You know, Black women have to deal with it as well, but not as much as Black men. And we'll get into how to speak to our children in, a, in another question that I'll, I'll ask you. But the dialogue between somebody of color and a police officer Um, you're talking about that kind of dialogue and how to approach it right yeah like I remember I I was working with um, homeless people uh, a few years back and I had a a meeting with um, the police headquarters and I had told them and I know and I I told them that I knew that they knew what I was about to say and that they I knew that they would agree with me but they wouldn't act on it and what I said is that whenever they see one of their colleagues doing something wrong, that it's their duty to stop them. You know what I mean? And, and you're doing them a favor. You're doing everybody in that situation a favor because at the end of the day, like there are bad police officers. Like, like some of them get through. I don't know how, I don't know what their hiring process is, but some police officers are able to fake it enough where they can get on the, the, the job. And again, these people are human. They go through life same way that everybody else goes through life. They have ups and downs. You know what I mean? Like somebody could have had an argument that morning and have no idea how to get rid of those 
heavy feelings and they take it onto the job and they just want to let it out on somebody else. And it's their partner's job to stop them and say like, Hey, you know, I don't know what's going on with you, but whatever the case is, like you're going down a path that like, you know, it's, it's not going to be a good one. And if they don't do anything, well, then they're both like, they should both be held accountable. That's an amazing, you went up to the police officer and said that. Oh, it was a whole group of them. It was like it was a, whole, wow. a whole room of them. And um, that's an amazing example of how to start a conversation that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. and I told them, I know that they know this, but they rarely act on it. Cause I've been in so many situations where like, I had to turn to the partner police officer and I'm like, are you really going to allow this to go on? Are you going to allow it to happen? And I don't know if it's like an unspoken rule or code that they have where like they just don't intervene, but I think they should. I think they really should start intervening. And like at this point, I feel like you're right. It is some kind of unwritten rule because George Floyd was the biggest example of people just standing by and not seeing anything for murder. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like, I know. I, I know the face. I know the name. I haven't watched the video. Um, I couldn't get myself to watch it either. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. I heard about like somebody described what happened up to a certain point, and then I had asked them to stop basically describing what happened. But uh, but it's it's a human. It's a human. I don't want to use a wrong word here, but trait or characteristic where like if there's one person there then they're more likely to step in and intervene than if there's a whole group of people and so like we kind of just deflect the responsibility onto someone else it's like okay well if that person's not doing anything well it's okay for me not to do anything right and so i can uh, i could see how that makes sense where like somebody should do something but they end up not doing something but yeah all that to say is that I hope that my message landed with them and that like, you know, it's even though in the moment it might be a bruise to somebody's ego in the long haul, I hope that everybody understands that it's for the best situation of everybody, especially the people that they're supposed to be serving in that instance. Right. Yeah. It takes a level of bravery to address something like that and to start a conversation that's uncomfortable. So that, uh, of course, has to be taken into consideration. Many people aren't brave enough to start the conversation, but once you are and you do it in a way that's respectful, like you did, um, it's almost impossible for the person not to reflect on what you said, even if their ego is bruised for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards, they they will reflect on it and hopefully do the right thing. Yeah, and I gave them a real-life example. I told them, uh, uh, like, prior to that incident, um, I was in an interaction with a police officer that was not going well. And there was three other police officers there um, that did nothing. And I had asked them to like step in and they obviously, um, I shouldn't say obviously, they took the side of their colleague, which was unfortunate. And I had explained this to the whole group of people. And I told him, I'm like, hey, I have my rights. I have, I'm a person. I have my dignity. You guys are supposed to be serving and protecting. And I'm asking for help. You know what I mean? And it's like, who am I supposed to call? Like, it's it's the police that are doing 
this stuff like who who do I call you know I can't call the police on the police you know what I mean so it's like in that instance like what am I supposed to do because I know if I raise a finger I'm gonna get in trouble everything's gonna turn back on me right so so it's like what what do you do yeah and that that leads us to a, a the next question which is in your experience would you say there's a willingness there's even a willingness to learn when it comes to other people's culture and is there a way we can get people to genuinely be interested in learning like people like everyday people yeah everyday people and i i guess in this case we talk about police um because you know there's a certain level of power there and mm -hmm there's an ability to if you're willing to go into certain communities and mingle and and yes. feel the people to change but you know are you really willing to do that and if so or if not for certain people how do we get them to yeah them? you know what i think i'm gonna i'm gonna assume i'm gonna operate from a, a certain level of thinking that there are police officers who actually do want to make a difference. But like I said, there's, there's going to be some that are just very close-minded. You know what I mean? And like I said, we're all from different backgrounds and origins, and we, we, we view things differently. We're all from different kind of world perspectives and stuff like that. So I I know and I've I've spoken to and but it's it's very it's a tricky, tricky question. It is very tricky because in the instances where the police were cool with me or they they allowed space for for me to hear hear me out and stuff, it was in a professional setting. You know what I mean? But like it, let's say for example, I I wasn't in a professional setting. Let's say for example, I'm walking down a street in inner city neighborhood, dressed a certain way. Um, are they going to still give me that same courtesy? You know right. what I mean? Are they going to approach me in that same kind of, with that same energy, right? So yeah. so I, I can say like, oh yeah, this police officer is, is nice and it's cool. And that's the way he, he interacted with me. But it was because it was in that setting. Maybe it's because the age that I'm at now. But let's say again, if I'm a 13, 14, 15 year old teenager um, in a certain neighborhood, are they going to still that same person are they going to still give afford me that same um, courtesy and to be honest I don't know I don't think so I've had an interaction with a, a police officer when I was 14 and I ran into that same police officer in a uh, professional setting uh, where uh, my the, the, the company that I was working for had to work in collaboration with the police and uh, he was very different he was very different so I don't know if it was like if he's grew or evolved or because it was a professional setting or, you know what I mean? So, so it is very tricky, but like I said, I want to assume that there are good police officers out there and that they want to make a difference. And some of them want to think outside the box and, and kind of start to mend the, that relationship with the, the, the communities that they're policing. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen videos where there was a huge dodgeball game at a park and police were playing dodgeball with the with the people and um and i was recently approached by a police officer in the east end of montreal to get my story out there and to get yoga out there for for uh for those communities so 
this level of you know thinking outside the box makes me believe that you know they actually do want to do good and and they want to you know have a different approach and they want to mend those relationships but on the other hand like I know that they're kind of confined and bound by a certain mode of operation a certain way of of doing things yeah Um, so yeah it's to find that balance and but I mean at the end of the day I feel like there's still no reason or excuse not to do the the right thing and I put air quotes there because uh the right thing can kind of like there might be a, a a gray zone but like I don't know abusing your power or 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 not res- upholding the law that's clearly the wrong thing yeah and you, just the example that you gave about um the dodgeball and them being almost like invited to like a dodgeball that's an interesting way to kind of get people interested as well like integrate them into the community and see how we live see how we eat see how we have mm-hmm. fun see how we love and mm-hmm. then you know then somebody whose ego or, or perspective may be not ideal could start shifting that perspective so yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I uh, agree with that I agree with a, that it's like you you can't just come around when there's a problem right you have to come around yeah. more often and people have to be able to associate you like not only like oh that, that, that whenever I see a uniform uh, it's either a problem or like they're taking one of my family members away or you know they're they're doing something that's not making me feel comfortable for whatever reason it's like come around when the summertime is happening people are outside they're having block parties or whatever the case is they come get involved with the community and you know play the games and again start to build and mend those relationships that's right that's right So let's break down the word privilege and what it truly means. I think that um, I was was talking to a female mutual friend of ours about uh, Amy Cooper and how she'll go down in history as one of the people who was able to allow us to witness privilege in such an unapologetic way, like so raw, so real. And the fact that she was able to assume that her whiteness combined with her quote unquote feeling threatened would automatically result in a not so favorable outcome for a black man. Uh, she was she was kind of just the epitome of privilege, right? So how would you say that the word privilege can be expressed in a way that is truly understood from people who may not, you know, they might hear the word privilege and be like, oh, there they go again with that word privilege, privilege. Like, how yeah. can that be expressed in a way that's understood and not just thrown around? I don't think privilege is a bad thing. I think if you're privileged, depending on where your privilege is, I think you're it's, you're fortunate. I just feel like you need to acknowledge that you have this privilege. Yeah, and when I and and I and what I mean specifically is the white privilege. You know, privilege right. over you know. Right. So yeah. to say, like for example, if if it's a white person now, that's like like I've heard many white people say like, yes, I have this privilege uh, for whatever the case is. Like, I know that like I can do this or that and like I won't get in trouble or or I have things easier or because of the way the system is, I'm privileged. But there are some white people that are actually trying to undo that, right? They're trying to make everything a level playing field. The 
the problem lies when someone is clearly privileged, but they don't acknowledge it, right? They want to assume that like they're in the position that they're in solely based on the fact that they worked hard or whatever it is other than um, them being born into that situation, right? So again, I don't think privilege is in of itself is wrong or bad. I just think that you just have to understand that some people have a certain level and some people don't. Like me as a Black man, I have certain privileges. I know that like for the most part, whenever I travel, I can, depending on the country, I feel like I can walk down most countries at any time of night alone. You know what I mean? Like I went to Spain um, this uh, last September and uh, I left a group of friends that were hanging out uh, at a bar and I decided to walk back to the hotel by myself. And it never occurred to me that like, oh, I was unsafe or something could happen. And I actually got lost and um, flagged down a driver, asked him for directions. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll bring you, you know, he was like, come in my car and I'll, I'll drive you there. And at no point did I feel unsafe. Now, if I were to tell a woman that she could go to Spain and walk at any time of night and get into a random person's car without having fear and then argue with her if she was like no that makes that that I can't do that it makes me feel unsafe I'm like no you're being unreasonable that's me speaking from a certain level of ignorance and not acknowledging my privilege yeah right so I feel like that's where some some white people that's how they sound right it's like oh you can do that but I was like, no, I, I can't. I've tried it and it didn't end well. Or somebody that I know that looks like me tried it, it didn't end well. Or I didn't get that job because of like this. And it's like, oh no, well, you must have not got it for some other reason. It's like, oh yeah. man. Um, this reason like, aha moment there for me, because anytime that an, uh, one class of people will say, no, in, in that situation, I would not feel safe. Or in that situation, I think that I would be judged in this way. Or in that situation, fill in the blanks. Anytime that that happens for a certain class of people and you know that it doesn't happen for another, that's privilege. Right. You know, like when, when for instance, some, a Black person tries to get a house in a certain neighborhood and they do not get it, in the back of their mind, it'll always be like, I wonder if it's because I'm Black. So it's, it's mm-hmm. not always the fact that it will always be because of. But as soon mm-hmm. as the person has that little doubt in their head, then there's privilege for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it works with, you know, job opportunities, property opportunities. Um, so it's just to acknowledge that, like, like, unless you flat out hear, like, oh, you didn't get that job because you're black or you didn't get that job because you're a woman or whatever the case is. And like, again, you'll never know for certain, but people are not like, they have intuition, like they're not stupid. Right. So it's just to actually acknowledge someone else's is reality and, and say like, Hey, it's, this could actually be a possibility. And that in of itself is privilege. Right. 
it's like, oh man, I never have to worry about that because I am this or I'm that, right? Yeah, the not having to worry puts you in that privileged box. And it's not to say, again, it's not to say that it's always the case that because you were a woman, this happened, or because you were Black, this happened. It's just that because you have that fear or that question, then another class of people is privileged over you. Right, exactly. So Mm -hmm. let's say, for example, like a woman could leave her group of friends at two o'clock in the morning and journey to a hotel and risk the chance of getting lost and something might happen to her and something might not happen to her yeah but she has to think about that right exactly. she's like oh I'm, ta- I'm weighing the pros and cons i'm taking this risk as opposed to myself like that thought never crossed my mind it's like i'm tired i want to go i'm gonna go you know yeah. what i mean like i don't have to think about my safety and any of that and my friends as well like they're like oh you're leaving okay we'll see you in the morning yeah. And it's like, if right. a girl were to leave, I would be like, hey, are you sure? Like, do you want me to come with you? Or, you know what I mean? So like for everybody, it's like, uh, we're, we're, we're at ease with this situation. Like, We don't have to think uh, uh, more about it. Sorry, I keep muting every now and then because I, I always worry that my son will come into the conversation from where he is. <laughs> no worries. So before our children get their belief systems tampered with, they can't understand why there's even an issue like why would it even bother you that I play with this person I believe that children for for children racism is very confusing they only know love that's my belief so it is our responsibility to articulate in conversations um, into conversation that will help them understand what's going on and and for many times for for us as black parents how to face it and how to make the situations better so how would you say as i know that you're a father do we talk to our children about all of this yes we definitely do but like you said it's it is a it is a tricky tricky conversation to have because just like i feel like you said i feel like and i agree with you like children start off with love in their hearts and I feel like hate and racism and all of that stuff prejudice that's all something that's taught right they're not they're not born thinking that you know one person is better than the other or that I can't play with this person or you know what I mean like they just want they don't care who it is um if you're nice you want to play with me I want to play with you you know what I mean it doesn't it's not any more complicated than that I think the conversation should be had but not before the experience and I know this is super up for debate I just feel like as opposed to the, as opposed to the, I don't know. Oh, that's the great question. I don't know. Now that I think about no, it you, a little this, more. This one, I truly, when I ask this question, I truly want to know people like you's um, opinion, yeah. um, the people who are really, you know, conscious and stuff, because I have a son, he's eight. Yeah. I have yeah. a daughter, she's six. And I have another son, he's, he's 10 months. But I, I kind of agree with you that I want to wait until the situation happens. But then I'm wondering, should I wait? Because 
then is he even prepared for when it you know what comes you know so i'm yeah. kind of uh, and and he's already experienced you know um somebody say uh, le petit brun or you know like they're talking about something and they'll see le brun you know yeah so yeah i don't know and sorry how old is he he's uh eight yeah he's gonna eight. be nine in okay. march yeah okay yeah so i feel like at that age not to say that it's okay but i feel like it would be easier to explain it would be easier for an eight-year-old to grasp the concept i was trying to think about like trying to explain it to my son yeah. who's uh, two and a half and i feel like it would be like nearly impossible to yeah, say it's not the that, time yeah yeah like that person doesn't want to play with you because of your skin color like, because how be accurate so would it even be yeah the person yeah. at two years old he wants to play with you if he doesn't want to play with you it's because he's just he a butterfly caught his eye you know right 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 so but now it's like do we wait till the child comes to you and it's like hey that person doesn't want to play with me and he said it's because i live here or because this is what you do for a living and this is what his dad does for a living or it's because of your skin color or he do, you don't speak the same language or whatever it is that makes them different from each other to try to explain that it's like i it's it's super super delicate and it's like do you wait to till it happens yeah i feel like i would wait because i wouldn't i don't want to be the one to plant the seed but i would be want to be the one to try to uproot it and say like you know that's their choice whether yeah. they want to or not but it doesn't don't let it change you or it doesn't change your worth or you know what i mean i've been i've been struggling with that a little bit and and I did um have to wait until there was a little comment because you know it just happened but you also have to know your child because at a certain age you're going to have to have the conversation regardless because some children won't even go to you they won't tell you what's going on so mm -hmm. you know the more I'm thinking about it and I'm having the conversations I realize at a certain age you have to address it in a way that they understand that it's not necessarily the person's fault that they're acting this way they've learned it in somehow some way from their parents or from you know from wherever it may be mm -hmm. that they need to um just be prepared that people can say hurtful things and hurt people hurt people right right i think yeah i think you nailed it on the head there and that they learned it from somewhere and and just try to explain that that like you know, it's, uh, that's how they choose to, to see the world. And it's, uh, I, I feel like it's definitely what I would add to that is like, it's not the child's place to try to undo that. You mm. know what I mean? It's, it's like, you don't have to prove yourself or prove your worth or, you know what I mean? Like if they choose not to play with you because of that, like it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't, like it's not your place to say like okay well like i'm gonna you know prove my worth or mm -hmm. that i'm this way or that way yeah so, you're already enough yeah exactly exactly and move towards people who have the same vibration as you they might not understand all that but yeah exactly yeah in certain exactly. terms, like you tell them that 
it's okay. You'll find your tribe. It's uh, that one person we pray that they learn, which is why I, I kind of want to know how to even get people like that. Because especially at a young age, I think in the school systems, it's very important to have them really understand what it feels like to, you know, to be a class of people who haven't had a voice for a long time and still to this day struggle to find a voice you know so the school systems at a very young age need to to show all of these beautiful colored people from white to brown to all, everything in between that you know we're all one you know yeah um, yeah that's my opinion school the school system really needs to get involved in in this because sometimes parents um don't give a, a good example like it's just the fact right Right. No, I agree with you. And I think what I'm hearing more and more is that there's more children of color that are being afforded scholarships to certain high schools, mm -hmm. um, like private schools that like their tuition is fairly expensive. So I think that's really um, a step in the right direction where a bunch of these privileged white kids are now going to school with like a person of color and like you know they're they're kind of being exposed to them and their reality and and all that way before they even leave high school so um, I think that's really important because they chances are they're not seeing them in their neighborhoods they're not seeing them in their inner city leagues that they play in they're not seeing them like you know what I mean like chances are these kids are playing like hockey and stuff like that or whatever the case is so um the fact that they can you know see them for five years yeah. nearly every day um i think that's huge right huge, so yeah. the, the the perception that they're getting from black people is in the media is in the movies and you know i think as of recently there's a lot more positive representation for you know in the media and in music in the culture overall for black people but like going back 10 20 years you know the music wasn't always the best the movie representation characters weren't always the best um and again people are not actually making the conscious decision to say like oh this is a movie you know not all black people are like this or this is uh entertainment this is a rap video not all black women and black men do this um so to see just a normal black kid going to school with you i think that's huge it's huge and at a young age like you say for five years they they follow and it, it at when you're a child you're so innocent and the questions that come out of your mouth are innocent as well so they will see the difference they'll see that somebody's brown but it won't bother them they'll mm -hmm. ask questions oh why is your hair like that they want to touch you you know they want but it's so innocent at that age. Yeah. So they grow yeah. to learn to know the, the person for who they really are and not just, you know, the, the little differences that they that they have. So, yeah, I think that's uh, it's crucial to expose at a very young age. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. like you said, children are coming from a, a place of love and, and curiosity, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're discovering the world for the first time. And like, if all their family members are white with, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and then they go out in the world and they see someone different. It's like, oh, that person's different. But, you know, it's not like, oh, they're, they're better or worse than I am. They're just different, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, yeah. And the, the teachers have to be um, so well chosen because, you know, they play an, an, a huge part in kind of interfering in certain conversations that children can have. You know, if, if, if they see that something is going kind of like the wrong way, they can steer it over and say, you know, yes, he's brown. Uh, he's a beautiful, like, look how beautiful that color is and mm-hmm. look how beautiful your color is. And, you know, they, it, it's so crucial, just like police officers, to have the right people, mm-hmm. you know, in, especially in certain jobs. Because oh, yeah. you know, if, if you have a racist pilot, it's not as detrimental as if you have a racist police officer or a racist right. teacher, a teacher, right. a teacher, teachers are so important. I have so right. much respect for teachers. And it's just uh, really important for us to make the right decisions and who's going to be in those positions of power. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So my last question to you is how do we become of service in our own way when it comes to, um, you know, I guess I, I'm not going to say racism, but when it comes to integration and being one i think if you ask yourself that question enough times i feel like you'll come up with the answer and i feel like everybody's answer will be will be different um i was blown away to find out that um a nine-year-old who is also part of the uh 2022 class of black change makers um she heard or saw what happened to George Floyd and she said how can I make a difference and she um, started her own business where she makes head wraps and uh, part of the proceeds goes towards a black uh, community organization in the West Island Um, and so you know I feel like understanding that if you see the world like if, if there's a problem in the world, instead of, you know, just putting that responsibility on someone else to fix, uh, take it on, take it on your own shoulders and you don't have to take it on your own shoulders by yourself. And I know that like, we didn't create the problem, right? But we're in it, right? We're, we're facing it. And if we want our children to have to deal with a different problem, Um, then we have to resolve this one. Because if we don't resolve this one, then they're going to have to resolve it or so on and so forth. So just try to get your creativity in there and understand that there's no limits and just try to approach the situation from from a a mindset of like resolution. I want to resolve whatever it is and, you know, help. I want to be of service. And she does it through head wraps. I uh, try my best to do it through yoga. Um, so it's really for like everybody to find what really speaks to them and how they see the world and, and what they can add to it um, to try to make it a better place. You, know what I mean? yeah. you give a platform for people to, to, to speak their ideas. So it's really... Um, it doesn't have to look like anything that's already out there. It doesn't have to look like any something that somebody else is already doing. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to start off huge. You don't have to start off big. Um, you know, you can even, I don't know, make a program for elementary schools to have 
people go in and, and speak, especially around Black History Month, because I'm sure that, you know, the schools would be open to um, engaging in these conversations and they probably just don't know how to approach it themselves. So they're like, okay, well, you know what I mean? It's not our, it's not ours to fix, but if someone comes with a solution, then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly uh, accept that, right? So it's, uh, it's really, it's really challenging for people to think, Yeah, you know what I mean? Especially think of solutions, right? They just want to complain about problems. Yeah, um, it, it's, so. yeah, it, it's, it's another um, tricky question because everybody's so, the individual is so different. So it can look very different for different people. Right. If you find somebody that you resonate with as well, if, uh, you know, I, I, I see you and I, I, I see that you're doing amazing work with your yoga, you can go and gravitate towards that person and whatever he or she is doing, you get involved with that as well. You know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel as well, you know? Exactly. So it's, exactly. It's yeah. Thank you for that answer. It's, and uh, I would actually say, yeah, if somebody else is doing something that you're like, wow, that's, that's different or that's unique and I would like to get behind that very rarely are people going to turn down you know extra hand or you know extra set of eyes or extra way of, of thinking so yeah if somebody's already you know heading down that that road in that direction and you want to kind of um, add some some fuel to that then uh, I would definitely say go for it you know what I mean absolutely Brandon always such a pleasure to conversate with you thank My you so pleasure. much for your time um, thank you. I hope we'll get uh, a lot out of this because I know I did I had a few aha moments where I'm like oh <laughs> with the children and with the yeah so thank you very much for this conversation my pleasure thank you so much for having me Tanya as always i thank you for tuning in these episodes are meant to be of massive value to you and so i hope you got something out of it and if you did all i ask in return is for you to give it a thumbs up give it some love in the reviews share with one or two friends whom you know will benefit from hearing this content check out the links in the description Continue to lead with empathy and I'll catch you on the next episode. Many blessings.